You have located Geekfest Rants, the entertainment podcast for genre geeks like you. Shall we play a game? Covering the world of vintage and current film and television since 2010. Game over, man. It's game over. Featuring in-depth conversations on sci-fi, horror, fantasy, comics, toys, and conventions. So say we all. So say we all. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy today's show. <laughs> He's here. He's here. Mother! Father is here! The king, my lady. The king. Your fate is set and you cannot escape it. How oh, I've missed you, my son. One day this kingdom will be yours. Thank you, Father, my King. everybody and welcome once again to Geekfest Rants. My name is Carlos Perón and today we're going to review four movies that came out quite a bit ago. <laughs> this episode is taking a little while longer than expected to come out, but this has also been a very exciting summer in terms of movies. I've been very surprised by the four films that I, I'm going to talk about today. And in a couple of future episodes, I'm going to bring up a couple of more films that com completely blew me away, which is kind of unusual for a summer to have so many good movies available. The first one is going to be The Northman, which 
surprised me because of the fact that I was completely unaware of it until it showed up and it was like, oh, this looks interesting. The next one is Everything Everywhere All at Once. This is another movie that totally out of my radar and I will talk about how I hooked onto this movie practically by accident and how unbelievably original and rich in terms of so many kind of genres that the movie can encompass into all, you know, one shot. So yeah, that's a second movie we're going to be talking about. Then we are going to go to Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. This being the the second solo outing for Doctor Strange. Very well done film. A very good Marvel entry. You know, we, we, we have multiple Marvel entries every year. This one was probably one of the best, if not the best one this year. Bonus points for Sam Raimi directing it. And I'll talk about all the little extras and surprises and how this particular one is almost a genre-defining film in terms of Marvel. Because, you know, like with Marvel, you have your different ice cream flavors. And we talked about this before. You have your very serious political more or less straight kind of film like Winter Soldier. Then you have your fantastical kind of films like like the, the, the first few Thor films and, and Doctor Strange. And then you have your heavy sci-fi ones like Guardians of the Galaxy. And then you have your more kid-friendly ones like Ant-Man and Thor Ragnarok. So, yeah, you know, you, you have all these different flavors Captain America is in there too. He's a little more comic bookish, but serious. And this one was probably what would be considered the first one that is, first of all, because you are dealing with wizards or magicians or whatever you want to call them, it is in the fantastical realm. But this one tippy toes a little bit into the horror world because of the fact that, well, First of all, Sam Raimi is directing and the the subject matter and the things that happen and the things they deal with, they are, you know, horror themed situations, if you will. So I don't know if they will make more like this or this was just kind of like a, a trial balloon to see, you know, how people react to it. I liked it. I loved it. I mean, it was great. We're still in the multi-universe. This is part of where... You know, we are right now phase-wise, and I had a really, really good time. And like I said before, wait till you hear about these cameos and surprise guests. They just blew me away. And finally, we hop over to the DC side for a look at the Batman. Again, this one came out a while ago, and just as always whenever you think you know okay there's a new batman coming with a new actor with a new director with a new view point of view if you will of what they're gonna do with batman this one i went through the same patterns as usual and i was still blown away by what a good job they did and how i can't wait for what comes next you know in this particular branch you know iteration of batman Great movie. Can't wait to tell you about it. But let's just get ourselves started with The Northman. 
What did I teach you? You are the Duke of New York. You are a number one. You will not laugh. You will not cry. You will learn by the numbers. I will teach you. Can you dig it? Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. That spawn of Satan. <laughs> oh, really? The Force will be with you, always. All right, the first film we're going to talk about today is The Northman. I had seen a trailer on somewhere in one of the Facebook feeds and then got a good, really good look at it. And I'm like, wow, this is looking kind of good. For some reason, as I'm watching the trailer and I'm kind of piecing together the story, I'm thinking Conan the Barbarian. And... It's funny because I watched uh, an interview with the director, Robert Eggers, who had previously done The Lighthouse and The Witch. So you kind of know where you're getting into uh, when it comes to this director. And he talked about how the movie Conan the Barbarian was an inspiration. And there's homages to Conan the Barbarian in this story. The movie takes place like over a thousand years ago and it's 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 again it's the it's an origin story if you will of a a viking that he is supposed to be nobility you know he's the son of a king who would funny enough that his father is played by ethan hawk out of all people in the world and how his father's brother that would be his uncle betrays the father and massacres his family except for his mother and how he escapes the massacre and ends up you know being raised by other wild viking tribes uh and he's like a warrior and he uh he is also you know part of this this life of of pillaging and destroying and conquering and becomes this you know great kind of warrior and the movie kind of follows the trajectory again if you're thinking imagine conan the barbarian without the sorcery if you look at it as just a straight story of, a, of, a, of that kind of a character they have some incredible battle scenes in this movie they're just fantastic the lead character is played by alexander sarsgaard who you probably have seen him in many films. Nicole Kidman plays his mother. And uh, William Dafoe is actually in it too. He's kind of like a trainer, mystic kind of guy. And we follow this character through his quest for revenge. To kill the, the, the uncle that devastated his family and to rescue his mother. Because the uncle took his mother, didn't kill her. He killed the father, but he didn't kill the mother. And one of the things in this film that we find is that there are really no completely clean, you know, black and white good guys and bad guys here. These are all kinds of very violent people. And even the way that he was raised in terms of you know his his love for his father and you know his his nobility if you will it is built on barbarism 
it is just completely barbaric the way that even his own father's troops would just go in and devastate other tribes you know as these small battles wars would take place and as he is raised by a different tribe you know once he escaped being captured he is raised in that manner too he continues that there's a sequence where they're attacking a it's almost like a fort fortified area and other than him they are completely completely obliterating just about everybody to the extent where there's a scene where you see like women and children being put in a house and then the house being set on fire and he doesn't necessarily directly participate in it but he also doesn't stop it either so we're given a very realistic view of what these people were like in terms of you know they are barbarian warriors they're just you know <laughs> it's funny because they described his new tribe as berserkers that's where that term comes from i guess you know these crazy warriors that are just super battle-worn and they can take quite a beating again the cinematography and the the staging of the battles is amazing in this film the big turn in this film happens you know when he meets a woman who he is very interested in and the woman is a, i think she's at one point accused of being a witch or something uh, which is funny because it's the actress that was in the witch one of the the original films that made by this director and then he has that split of where he's getting very close to that uncle his uncle doesn't recognize him obviously because he's so much older but he's getting closer and closer to him and he's getting very close to you know enacting his revenge and he learns again spoiler alert he learns that things were not exactly as they seemed to him as a child that his quest even though it's all in his mind in terms of that is the driving force that has kept him alive all this time and has strengthened him and has turned him into this battle machine that he is it's all built on a false foundation of knowledge and he realizes at that point that you know his father really wasn't the great guy that he thought he was and his mother most certainly was not the damsel in distress that he thought she was and he has the opportunity towards the end of the film to put aside his vengeance and go away with this woman and try to start their own lives because the uncle by the time he realizes where the uncle is the uncle is not he's no longer like the king anymore he's he's kind of because of the years and i guess the political and the battles and all the things he's kind of been cast aside he's no longer in charge of of, of a tribe or, or or a small city or whatever he's just like kind of like a landowner who is in charge of like maybe a dozen people and he has his own set of slaves because this is another thing the, the battles you get slaves and you end up with you know farmhands and that kind of thing and he has to make that decision of do i go one direction or do i go in the other direction and it's really brave i think for the director to let him pick one of those things he could not have both and it's a bit of a message movie again i guess where you could say well you know if you want a happy ending you got conan because 
that's, again, not only is it sword and sorcery, heavy on their sorcery, but in Conan, you get the satisfying end of, here's my mission. It was a worthy mission. It accomplished my goals and it got me what I wanted. But here, it's a little more realistic where the person then finds out that his whole life has been more or less a lie and he still cannot just but help himself to continue with that vengeance, with that drive to the point of mutual destruction. Very good movie. I can't wait for this one to be on DVD or Blu-ray. The other thing is that it's all in uh, native languages. So, it's, you know, it's a lot of uh, subtitles and that sort of thing. Really, really good. Very different, again, from his previous films, because, again, The Witch was a very good film that turns very supernatural at the end that really completely blows you away. And The Lighthouse wasn't very supernatural. It was just psychologically weird. But this one is is much more of a straight film. There are certain sequences where he's dreaming and, and they look it looks very supernatural, but it's not. It's just dreams or that sort of thing. But this one caught me by surprise and, and I loved it. It was it was very good. And like I said, it just reminded me so much of Conan. And in the same manner that I always talk about how certain films like The Joker, which we're gonna talk about a little bit in a little bit, <laughs> the reality of it, I gravitate so much to it more than the comic book portion of it. This movie kind of does the same as far as I'm concerned. It takes the Conan themes and plots and turns them into a real story and see how that is applied to a character without the, you know, the sorcery and the magic. So I definitely recommend this. I really enjoyed watching it. The next movie that I want to mention is a completely bizarre movie that we watched. My wife and I went to see it called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I have never seen a movie like this before. It is directed by Dan Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, better known as the Daniels. I've never heard of them before either. And the only reason I went to see this movie, before it got so many good reviews, was because I saw an article on Facebook about how it stars... Ki-Yu Kwan, which is a name that probably most people don't recognize. However, he is the kid that played Short Round in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and he also had a role in The Goonies. And then he disappeared for 30, 40 years. <laughs> it's incredible. And I watched the trailer, and it was just a crazy trailer. It stars Michelle Yeoh, which we all know from so many films, and Asian martial arts films, and she was in Star Trek Discovery. She's apparently supposed to be getting her own show at one point. She works like crazy. She's everywhere. And the trailer was so intriguing in terms of her hopping through different universes as different personalities of herself in some kind of bizarre manner. Things are happening. Again, the trailer just gives you a, a taste of the, the weirdness of this film. So we got to see it. And yeah, it hops. The movie hops from her being a number of different versions of her. And something is happening where certain emotional things that happen to her trigger her bouncing between these different places. And there seems to be somebody in control of it. 
that turns out to be somebody very close to her again. Spoiler alert. What blew me away in this movie was not just the story, because the story is so original. Again, I've never seen something this wacky. I'm sure there have been movies somewhat like this before, but this one just works so well because, like the title, it's got everything. It's got the the sci-fi multi-universe angle. It has the martial arts angle. There's a lot of martial arts in this film. And it does have a a love story and a family story, which is, it's like, wow, that's like the heart of the film. The whole film, when you really think about it, it's about her relationship with her daughter and with her husband. Again, the husband is played by Quan. The other thing that blew me away in this movie is how good Kehu Quan was. I can't believe what a good action actor and just a good actor he is, even after being away from Hollywood for so long. I remember I watched Indiana Jones and I watched The Goonies and I appreciated the character in Indiana Jones, but I felt it was just a little too much funny, too much slapsticky, you know, which is the things that I don't like too much about the, the Raider films. The Raiders was, to me, perfect. Indy started to get a little goofy with Willie and Short Round as the comedic. But I get it. That's what they were going for and that's what they got. And then when he did The Goonies, I, I am not a fan of The Goonies. I just, the only thing I remember about The Goonies is a whole bunch of kids screaming at the same time. That's all I remember. And it, I've never warmed up to The Goonies, even though The Goonies was supposed to be one of these Spielberg-produced films that he didn't necessarily direct. I think it was a Richard Donner film. And that whole dynamic with all the kids screaming, excited, and running, and it didn't work for me. But as an adult, in this movie, he was fantastic. And there's a fight scene that is very iconic for this film where he's involved where to me i kept saying to myself if they ever made a biography of jackie chan this guy would be it because he looks like a very young jackie chan and he's got the moves my god does he have the moves it's incredible how well <laughs> the physical choreography of the fights that he's involved with he does this whole fight with a fanny pack which is it's the it's the kind of the 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 gig the hook of the of the fight is the 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 weird item that he decides to use you know you got you could have weapons you can have this but he just happened to have a fanny pack and he uses the fanny pack as a weapon and it's so good again you also have uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, she plays kind of like a really nasty individual in one of these worlds, but she plays a very nice individual in another one of these worlds. There's a world where everybody has hot dog for fingers, which is, I, I, I can't even describe what I'm talking about. And it's one of the, again, one of the most tender, loving kind of sub stories that are taking place in this movie. James Hong plays the grandfather, which he's been in so many films. And as a matter of fact, he just got his Hollywood Walk of Fame star. But the heart, like I said before, of the entire film is her relationship with her daughter and the problems that she's having with her daughter and the way that those two do not connect. How that is the crux of everything that is happening in all of these worlds. 
very good, very surprised. Again, I was so blown away because the movie had so many layers of, uh, I don't know if you want to call them themes, because if there's a genre for this, it's kind of like fantasy sci-fi, I guess you could call it, because that's kind of where it's at. But it's a drama, it's a comedy, it's everything. Again, it's in the title. So once again, this is another one of these that as soon as it comes out on home media, I will be picking this one up. And it's the type of movie that, yes, they could make a sequel out of this. I would love to see, again, I would love to see Kehu Kwan in other movies, in a sequel to this movie. Like I mentioned before, he looks like a very young Jackie Chang. I wish somebody is thinking the same thing I am and takes advantage of it because he's a perfect age and look and physicality and athleticism. It's amazing. Great movie. Speaking of multiverses, I also got to see Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And this is another one of these Marvel films that is kind of now heading in a certain direction, just like the previous Spider-Man film, which I'd never had a chance to talk about, you know, where we we get introduced to all three Spider-Mans at the same time and, and some of the different bad guys from different films, which was fantastic how they worked that out. This kind of continues in that form in terms of that's what we are exploring, the multiverse. And one of the things that was really bizarre about this film is that for some reason, I thought that off the bat, the beginning of the film, the Doctor Strange that we are witnessing, the one that goes to the wedding of of his ex, was already another multiverse. I was convinced that she had died and I completely had forgotten that in the first film she didn't die. But I got confused with the What If animated series that they had on Disney Plus, the Marvel one, where there is an episode having to do with all these different possibilities of things that happened and all of them leading to her death in one shape or another. So while I was watching the film, I was saying to myself, wow, this is amazing. They're completely in another place from the beginning, so we're not even in our marble world that we know. We are already somewhere else. Later, I found out that, no, we were in the proper place, and that's the place we were all always trying to get back to. I love this film. This was great. I think it was a great continuation, to, like, like I said before, to the previous, to the Spider-Man one, where we had all the Spider-Mans at the same time. There are so many cameos, new characters... The introduction, again, and this is spoiler alert, you know, up the wazoo, the introduction of Reed Richards and some other characters where we're like, okay, if this is the actor they're using for this particular universe, are we now to assume that when we get our Fantastic Four film, this is the actor that they're going to use? I really hope so. It was rumored for a long time that it would have been this particular actor. And yes, you get so many of these other characters that you're like, oh my God, again, you got to watch the what ifs because there's a lot of characters from the what if that end up coming into this story because of the crossing over of the multi-universes. The Scarlet Witch angle here was also very good because it continues what started with the television show. And I remember them mentioning at one point that the television show was supposed to have 
a cameo or a surprise scene with Doctor Strange that would tie it to this. And I, that makes sense now how that, those two could have been tied together. I don't know why they didn't. I think it would have it would have been okay. Maybe it would have taken the surprise away from this a little bit. But her characterization of what she is going through since the television show, which is based on what happened to her, you know, during the endgame, you know, the Thanos battle, how that kind of stayed with her and, and continues to mess with her. Very, very good. The introduction of the new character of America Chavez, which again, I had no uh, reference of that. I, I don't, I think somebody said it was created for this. I think it's not based on anything specifically. And her particular background was very important and very good and very, very of the time and how she is part of the key to this whole thing that's happening. Again, I really enjoyed this one. The manner and, and all the different universes that get crossed and the explanation of how it works. And just the, like I said, the cameos, the new characters they throw at us. It's like, oh my God, the stingers with new actors. And again, what's really cool about this is that in theory, because of the multi-universe, they can throw just about any actor to play any role because you can say, yes, in this universe, so-and-so is the Hulk or the or Captain America or or whatever. So they could go completely crazy in terms of casting and recasting because it doesn't really matter. Some places it will be the same person, but some places it might not be the same person. So it opens up the possibilities, casting-wise, of introducing so many new actors into the mix that it really makes it work. Again, I really, really enjoyed it. And it's nice to see the, the development of the Doctor Strange character, which, you know, we got a full movie and then we got him in little bits and pieces here or there. But in this one, yeah, that they, they I think they really did good. And I forgot to mention, one of the best things about this movie was that it was directed by Sam Raimi. We do get a, a Bruce Campbell cameo and, and actually you get two. And... The movie was so Raimi-ish. The camera angles, the type of subtle Easter eggs that are thrown around everywhere from previous rip. There's a lot of Evil Dead stuff in the mist. There's so much of Raimi in this film that when you're a Raimi fan, it's like a, a bonus. If you have no idea who Sam Raimi is or his films, you're like, okay, this is... And, and that's one of the things that I'm saying. This is more of a horror film. It's, it's really a very scary version of Marvel, let's say. And it's it's got Raimi written all over it. And I hope that means that Raimi can come back <laughs> to making some films, maybe more Marvel. I don't care. But this is one that you can definitely see the director's stamp on the film, you know, from what we are used to. Another Marvel hit as far as I'm concerned. The last film I want to mention is The Batman. This is a movie that came out quite a bit ago. Uh, it's already on uh, HBO Max, and I think it's coming to uh, home media pretty soon. This is a film that, once again, once it was announced, the question that crosses everybody's mind is, really? Already we're going to reboot it again? Again, we were coming off of the the uh, Snyder version of, of Batman, which was introduced in the um, Batman vs. Superman, I think it was, and those films... You know, the Snyder Cut and the Whedon Cut and this <laughs> Justice League. 
of which I, I've talked about in the past how the, uh, the how I prefer the the Snyder cut specifically. The, I love the new Batman stuff. I love the Joker stuff, the additional Joker stuff that he was added to that film. And this time around, theoretically, this was supposed to be the next film of that series, and this was supposed to be Affleck's next film. And at one point. I believe, if I remember right, he was going to obviously star in it. And then at one point, I think he said he would just act in it. He wouldn't direct it or he would direct it or not act or something like that. And then he completely bowed out. And instead, they got Matt Reeves, who directed the newer uh, reboots of the Planet of the Ape films, which was kind of like, oh, okay, well, that, that's that's a plus in my book. You know, I enjoy those films. And one of the things that I really enjoyed about this film, again, just like everybody else, I was a little doubtful. The casting of Robert Patterson was a little, huh? Uh, However, most people remember Patterson from the Twilight films, but I also have seen some other films that he's done. Crazy films, like The Lighthouse. Good Times, I think, is another film. Cosmopolis, I think, is, is... I think I'm still in the process of watching that one. He's been doing some really, really crazy work lately that is like, wow, this guy's got some chops. So... Into this film I went. I think it got some good hype and good publicity. And the world that this particular director has built now for this particular reboot is a world that I love. To me, the easiest way to describe this film is take the aesthetics and the reality, if you will, of the movie like Joker. We talked about this in the past. We talked about it earlier today. I was mentioning it. How you take... You almost strip away the comic book and leave the reality, the gritty film noir reality instead. This film does that. This film doesn't give you an origin story. It jumps to, I think, year two of Batman already. And the lead bad guy here is the Riddler. And the movie moves through its paces more like a detective story, a murder whodunit. It really has Fincher written all over it, even though he had nothing to do with this film. If I didn't know who the director was, I would guess, oh, this is a Fincher film, isn't it? Because you get Zodiac in here. You get Seven in here. It is so Finchery, but it's not. The way that they build the bad guy is really, really interesting. By the time we meet him i mean it's no secret he's played by paul dano very good actor who owns this role Uh, this is probably the best portrayal of the riddler that i've ever seen he is definitely somebody that could possibly return they do tease the joker which (laughs) it works really well and it's very smart also that you don't start off with the joker you kind of save the joker for Probably a second or third film. As a matter of fact, there is a deleted scene that was posted on the internet afterwards of of another confrontation in Arkham Asylum between Batman and the Joker, where you get a better look at. He's another pretty kind of well known actor who's playing him. Colin Farrell plays uh, the Penguin. You would never ever recognize him. Uh, John Turturro. He's one of the mobsters. Again, this is such a realistic film. Kind of like Joker. You can strip away most of the comic book aspects of this. Batman takes a beating, a complete beating in this film. He is really not 
even Bruce Wayne in terms of he's not the dashing playboy millionaire. He's more like the brooding loner who doesn't want to come out of his house version of Bruce Wayne. Jeffy Wright plays Commissioner Gordon. Andy Serkis plays Alfred. He's very good in it too. Again, they just built this world and now I want them to continue it. And from what I understand, as far as DC goes... They are kind of leaning in this direction now. It looks like they really enjoy what happened with Joker. They enjoyed what happened with the Suicide Squad and the Peacemaker series on HBO Max. So I think based on this film that that is where they want to head towards right now. They want to head towards away from the Snyder world, the original, you know, building blocks that they were trying to compete with Marvel and kind of go in this direction, which is, it's kind of like a different flavor of the same direction, if you will, because even the Snyder films, they were darker. They were still rooted in heavy comic book lore, but they were noticeably a darker, grittier version. But this is completely different in terms of how dark it goes. You know, the the way that it minimizes so much the the superhero-ness of it. With these being very serious, serious detective work kind of films. Towards the end of the film, you do have a sort of comic bookish sequence, a third act or fourth act, if you want to call it, uh, where Batman has to rescue a whole bunch of people from a flood, you know, situation. And that is possibly the, the biggest superhero-ish moment. But most of it is him trying to be a detective he's trying to solve he's trying to put the pieces together he's discovering things about his family that he never knew that he never understood and it's changing him it's it's very revealing of all these different things that had happened to him that he was never aware of the background of his family that sort of thing it kind of reminds me a little bit of the northman in terms of the clean-cut images that you have of The parents, you know, he's again, he's an avenging character who's avenging. His life quest is to avenge what happened to his parents. And in the process, he's finding out things that make his image of his parents not the clean cut thing that he always thought it was. Uh, Which is, again, one of these things that adds realism to these stories that they're really not too many knights in shining white armor. There's just very distinctly uh, shades of gray everywhere, and some are much darker than others. Zoe Kravitz plays Catwoman, and for the purposes of this film, and I think I've heard that even in the comics, her connection to all this that's happening is very personal, and it makes sense. And you do get that friction And that potential love affair between these two that never exactly works because there's always the problem of vengeance for one character or the other. I can't wait for them to continue with this. I can't wait for the home video release. I can't wait for the extra scenes that were cut. The film was long. And to me, it kind of felt like a director's cut. And I know a lot of people complained that, yeah, they should have trimmed maybe a bit, uh, maybe a half hour off this film or 20 minutes off of it. But And I understand that. But... It's one of these things that when you like it so much, you wish you had more. And that's how it felt like to me. It felt like they gave me more. You know, they gave me that stuff. And even with the extra Joker scene that 
was released online, I wish that scene would have been in the movie because it was just so damn good. So, wow. These are, uh, again, four films that I finally got around to talking about. There is good stuff still happening in the movie theaters, even though some people seem to think that the movie theater industry is is not what it used to be and it will never be what it was. There's still lots of movies this summer that I'm planning on seeing. And, you know, if it's anything like these four, so far, so good. I, I'm very happy with, uh, with what I'm seeing. All right, I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. Uh, once again, I apologize for it being so late things have been happening so many things have been happening best way to describe them is listen to the previous show all these personal work related events kind of drain the energy and the uh, enthusiasm out of me sometimes and this was one of those couple of weeks that were very difficult but I do kind of regenerate you know my interest and my joy being able to talk about these things with you as usual these are my personal reviews you you might love movies i hate you might hate movies i love that doesn't matter the, the point of it is that it's out there and i'm enjoying it and i'm sure and i hope you guys are having as much fun with these and many many other movies uh, like i mentioned when we started i will have a couple of more movie reviews coming down because believe it or not since I watched these films in the movie theater, I already have three of them on Blu-ray or 4K. <laughs> Believe it or not, that's how fast these things came out and how long it actually took me to put together the show. It's pretty embarrassing. I have not gone through the supplemental material of all these films. Uh, the Northman I received yesterday. Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Got that. The Batman. Got that. Uh, oh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I do not have that one on DVD yet because it just came out on Disney+. Plus. So, yes, when the DVD for that one comes out, I'll get it. Especially to be able to explore all the additional features. And so far you know if technically this is the beginning of the summer season the summer film season these films came out within the last month or two so, so they are basically the first wave and it's like wow i can't believe they that uh, you know we got such good materials to start with and again all this stuff is, is it goes to it goes to streaming services or on demand so fast now it's just incredible how fast these things are are there it's like while i'm editing this thing half these films were already showing up on um on streamers the batman i think went to hbo max dr strange like i said disney plus uh, everything all at once i don't think it, it hit yet but the northman i think went straight to peacock i think if i remember right so it's just incredible how these things find their way to some home video so 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 fast you can't go wrong this is a wonderful way to start the summer and i cannot wait to crack open all these dvds and start jumping right into the deleted scenes and the making ups and all that stuff that i love so thank you guys for listening and being so patient about waiting for new material new content uh, I, I i am trying to to get you uh, more as possible and and different things because i've been 
I've been experiencing and, and watching and seeing and listening to so many different things lately that uh, uh, hopefully that will give you uh, a variety of different things to try out. So on behalf of everyone here, thank you for listening and we will see you soon here at GeekFest Rants. Bye-bye, everybody. Wayne. Sorry. I wouldn't be bothering you here, but your people keep telling me you're unavailable. You know, you really could be doing more for this city. Your family has a history of philanthropy, but as far as I can tell, you're not doing anything. to subscribe to our show, send us messages, or see video links to some of the topics we talked about today, please visit our homepage at geekfestrants.com or our YouTube channel, Facebook page, or iTunes at Geekfest Rants. I don't know what we're yelling about! Geekfest Rants is produced by Carlos Perone, copyright 2022. <laughs>